thank y'all for being here tonight. And uh, I'm thankful that we do have a space where we can have everybody together to dig into God's Word. And as you know, we've been, we've been digging into this letter to the church at Corinth. We're in 1 Corinthians tonight. We're going to be in chapter 14. So uh, go ahead, if you haven't yet, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, if you don't have a handout, there are handouts right back here on the back table. And uh, I invite you to grab one. If you want to take notes, uh, write down uh, anything, you can do that. Um, but if not, uh, you don't have to have it. You, if you got God's Word, that's really all you need. Uh, one thing we can do when we look at the letters uh, of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, uh, we can see in these letters that Paul wholeheartedly loved God and he loved God's church. There's no doubt about it. Paul loved the Lord and he loved the Lord's people. And what we see uh, especially in this letter, 1 Corinthians, that it was Paul's love for the Lord that drove him to lovingly encourage and discipline the church at Corinth. Uh, you've heard me say this. Uh, Paul was, was really a spiritual father to this church. He really was. He was a spiritual father to this church. And uh, he looked upon them just as if they were his earthly children. And he loved them enough to encourage them, but he also loved them enough to discipline them when needed. Um, many of these believers, they were reached and they were taught and they were ministered to by Paul. Uh, he cared for them. He genuinely cared for them. And he genuinely cared for the kingdom of God and kingdom ministry. Now, last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. And Paul in, in, in those chapters, he wanted the church to strive for unity. He wanted them to be together in the Lord. And he wanted them to mature together in the Lord. And, and love was the common theme. Uh, he said, look, you're going to have spiritual gifts. God's going to gift you. But of all things, you've got to have love. You remember, he talked about it. You can have this gift and this gift, but if you don't have love, you've got nothing. Uh, you can do this with your gifts, but if you don't have love, you did nothing. And, and so love was that common denominator. Uh, he wanted them to embrace diversity. Uh, he wanted them to strive for unity. But more than anything, he wanted them to display the love of God toward one another and toward their community. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 uh, is a very interesting chapter, okay? Uh, but I can tell you in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul wants the believers to know how to use those spiritual gifts that he talked about in public worship to God. Chapter 14 is all about public worship. It's about coming together as the body and worshiping God together as the body. And so that's what this chapter is all about. Uh, now, for the sake of time, I probably won't be able to read every single verse. Uh, I've kind of broken it down into passages uh, and so I'm going to deal with it passage by passage. But again, and when you look at it as a whole, it's all about how do we use these spiritual gifts that God has given us? How do we use these gifts to edify the body? How do we use these gifts to glorify God? How do we use these gifts when we come together and worship? That's what it's all about. So let's begin with this first passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, follow the way of love. Do you think that's a coincidence he starts chapter 14 that way? No, it's not. Chapter 13 was all about the love of God. So he starts off, follow the way of love 
and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you have prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So again, we're talking about these spiritual gifts, and Paul is really stuck on two right here. He's stuck on the gift of tongue, and he's stuck on the gift of prophecy. Now again, who is he writing this this letter to? It's the church at Corinth, okay? He understands the challenge that this church in this culture, in this community is facing, and he's addressing them specifically, okay? So let's make sure we understand the context. And so Paul's focus in this passage was the edification. He says that, the edification of the body through love and gifts of the Spirit. It's all about edifying the body in worship together through love and using those gifts of the Spirit. So we have to remember, and I've already said this, but I'm going to keep saying it. We have to remember that without godly love, it doesn't matter what kind of gift you got or how you're using it or why you're using it. If it does not come from a spirit of love, godly love, then what does it matter? It may as well be a loud, you know, symbol, just making a loud gonging noise, clanging noise. And so godly love is what helps us understand the gifts we've been given and helps us exercise the gifts we've been given in a way that edifies the body and glorifies God. And that's what Paul is completely focused on. Now that word edifies, I know it's a, it's a churchy word. What does the word edify? If I could just use base language, common day language, what does it mean to edify? Anybody? Yeah, to build up. That's what it means. It means to build up, okay? So basically when he says the edification of the church body, it's the building up, the building up of the church body. And so that's Paul's focus. So he focuses on two gifts here, all right? So let's talk about the first one. The gift of tongues, he says, only edifies the individual unless it is accompanied by interpretation. You notice uh, right here, and I'm going to tell you, you'll notice throughout the chapter that Paul does not say the gift of tongues is wrong, but he says you've got to look at the gift of tongues in view of edification, Does it edify the body of Christ? And he says specifically that without interpretation, the gift of tongues only edifies who? The person, the individual. So the gift of tongues only edifies the individual unless it is accompanied by interpretation. Uh, Paul himself speaks in tongues. He's going to tell us that. He speaks in tongues, but he says that prophecy is the gift that should be more desired. Why? Because it builds the entire body up, right? 
It's not about self anymore. It's about everyone. It's about the body. And so the gift of prophecy edifies the entire body. And so Paul is sharing his preference here. He's saying, hey, look, if you're going to desire a gift, desire prophecy. Desire prophecy because it builds the church up, uh, especially when it comes to public worship. Um, He would love for everyone to speak in tongues, but he prefers prophecy. Uh, He gives us three things. He tells us prophecy builds up the church, right, in three ways. Number one, he says it strengthens the church. Number two, he says it encourages the church. And then number three, he says it comforts the church. So he's very specific about what prophecy does for the church, how it builds the church up. It strengthens the church. It encourages the church, and it comforts the church. Now, Paul goes on, and I'm not going to read these next few verses, but Paul goes on in verses 6 through 11 uh, to explain that using intelligible words and having understanding is absolutely necessary and vital when the body comes together. Okay. In other words, he says we should speak very clearly and we should speak with the intention of understanding. We want people to understand what we're saying and why we're saying it and, and what we're doing, right? And so he's very clear here that when we come together as the body, public worship, we need to use intelligible words. We need to pray for understanding and use understanding. This was about effectively communicating and leading people in heartfelt worship. That's what it was all about. So he goes on and he says this in verses 12 through 19. And I'm going to read this for you. Uh, Verse 12, he says, So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? We should desire we, we should pray for the Spirit to gift us. Because here's the thing. The only way you can be gifted is by the Holy Spirit. You, you, you can't be gifted in any other way. The gifts come from the Spirit of God. And so he says, so it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build the church up. Do you see Paul's preference here? Okay. His preference is... Focus on the gifts that build the church up because the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. The church is, is ordained by God. And so we should, we should be focused on building the church up because it is the church that is the example. It is the church that is the demonstration of Jesus Christ to the world. And so Paul says, hey, if you're going to excel, excel in the gifts that build the church up. Verse 13, he says, For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the Spirit, how can someone else who is now put in a position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you're saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one is edified. I thank God, and look at what he says, I thank God I can speak in tongues 
more than all of you. In other words, hey, look, you think you're gifted in speaking in tongues? Paul says, that's my spiritual gift. Paul says, I can speak in spirit, you know, in tongues. The Spirit has given me that gift. He said, I thank God for that gift. But look at verse 19. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful, right? This, this is a guy who practices what he preaches. He practices what he preaches. And so the gifts are the Spirit. Let's, let's go backwards, if we will. If you'll remember, when we looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and we moved into 1 Corinthians 13, the gifts of the Spirit are given for the good of the church body. Paul made that very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gifts of the Spirit were given to us to glorify God, to bring praise, glory, and honor to God. Some biblical scholars believe when it comes to this church, when, they, when you look at the history of this church and you look at these letters, right? And I'm, I'm going now full context. I'm saying when you look at 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, every chapter, every verse, many, many biblical scholars and theologians believe that these young church members were beginning to show off. They were beginning to show off in front of each other. Well, look what I can do. Well, I can do this better than you can do that. Well, you do that, but I do this and it's better. It means more. And, and, and most biblical scholars believe that's what was taking place, right? It is that they were, they were immature Christ followers. Oh, they were believers, but they were not growing up, right, uh, in the Word. They were not growing up in the Spirit. Um, they were basically stunted in their growth because they were, they were showing off. And now these spiritual gifts, oh, it wasn't about glorifying God. It was about being better than that one and being better than that one. Now these spiritual gifts, it wasn't about building the church up, it was about building me up. And that's what Paul was dealing with. And so Paul, again, he's coming to this one about tongues because it was an issue, it was a challenge, right? It was a challenge within the walls of this church. Undoubtedly, people said, well, speaking in tongues is the most important gift. And it's the gift that means you are absolutely right with God. And so they were just, boom, 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 speaking with tongues, speaking with tongues. And, and Paul says, hey, uh, you need to understand something. Speaking in tongues without interpretation doesn't do anything for, you, for the body. Doesn't do anything for the body. That, that, that only edifies you. And remember what the spiritual gifts are all about. It's about building up the church body, and it's about glorifying God. And so when speaking in a tongue, he says, if you speak, again, don't, don't misunderstand me. He's not saying you should not speak in tongues. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when you speak in tongues, it must come with interpretation in the public worship context. And so he says right here, when speaking in a tongue, one should pray, right? One should pray for interpretation to accompany it. In other words, if God has gifted you with this, with this speaking in tongue, right, you need to pray that God will give you interpretation. Otherwise, you don't need to be doing it in public worship. And he says it very clearly. He says, if I start praying in a tongue, right, and you don't know what I'm saying, how can you say amen? He's saying, how is that any good? How is that edifying the body? How is that building the church up? And, and, And you may be giving God thanks with this tongue, but who knows, right? He says, well enough, you may be giving thanks, but what about the church body? 
What about the edification, the building up of the church body? And, and so Paul says um, that not only is speaking in tongues without interpretation not edifying the body, he says that it's unfruitful, right? He said, my mind is unfruitful without interpretation. Uh, and then he goes on and he says singing, right? When we're singing, we need to sing with understanding, right? We need to understand who we're singing to, why we're singing as a corporate body in public worship. I love this. Um, there, there's a preacher sometimes that I listen to just on different podcasts, and uh, I got a hold of his commentary, and I love what he says right here. This is Richard Pratt. This is so good. I even put this on your hand to help. Richard Pratt says this, Paul spoke in tongues more than the Corinthians, but he understood and experienced the blessings of this gift in his private worship. Do you see that? He experienced the blessings of this gift in his private worship. He valued intelligible words that could instruct others when it comes to public worship. And so Paul understood that, yes, it is a gift, right? But it is a gift, unless interpretation comes, that I should use in my private worship. And and so I would rather use prophecy because what do we do with prophecy? It's instruction. It's instruction which, what? Strengthens the body, encourages the body, comforts the body. It builds the body up. And so again, Paul was concerned that the Corinthians worshipped with proper order and with edification uh, as their focus. So we're, we're going to see discipline in these next few verses. Uh, he even tells them, stop thinking like children. Okay, Again, I'm not going to read all of it, but he basically says, stop thinking like children. As a matter of fact, he says, if you want to think like a child, think like a child when it comes to evil. Stay away from it. Run from it. Be, be childlike when it comes to evil. Run to mama and run to daddy. But don't be childlike in anything else. He basically tells this church, hey, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to stop showing off with your gifts. It's time, it's time to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about each other and thinking about the body. And so I love, I love this, right? Um, he's a spiritual father. He basically asked them, what can speaking in tongues and places of worship do for unbelievers who might hear you? He asked them that question, right? Yes, it's a spiritual gift. It's a gift from God. It has value. But if you do this and unbelievers are present, what good is it for the unbelievers? What are they going to think? All right? Yeah, somebody said you're out of your mind. Crazy, all right? So let me give you a real experience, okay? When I was about 10 years old, I had a best friend right here at Start Elementary, Start High School, and uh, had a best friend. And I'm not going to say his name or say anything about his church, but um, he came to church with me a few times. He invited me to go to church with him one time, okay? He knew where I went to church because I always pointed. It's the one across, it's right there. I did not know where he went to church, okay? Um, I went to church with him, and, and I had to walk out of that service. Because they started hollering and yelling, and it, I was scared to death. I was scared to, I was crying. Okay, 10-year-old, I didn't know what was going on. I started shaking, and I just told him, 
I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I ran out. I ran out. It, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. People doing somersaults down the middle of the aisle. I'm not, ki- I'm not kidding you, okay? And here's the thing. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. For the, I'm just telling you what someone who'd never seen it or heard it, right? I was scared to death. And I left out. And I, you know what I told my mom and daddy? They were crazy. That's exactly what I told them. My mama probably remembers this. She's probably in the kitchen cleaning. But I told them, I said, they were crazy. Like, I don't even know what they were saying. And, and who does that? Like, that was my mindset. Now, again, okay, I'm not trying to cast stones, but what I'm saying is think about what Paul says. If you do this, right, and you do it without interpretation, and you do it without building up and encouraging what will unbelievers, how is that going to point them to God? How is that going to point them to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Paul says you got to think. you got to think about what you're saying and what you're doing and when and where you're saying it and doing it. He's saying you got to consider, right? you got to consider who you are, where you are, and why you are. And he tells them that if they are prophesying, right? He tells them that they're prophesying. Now, right, they're using intelligible words. They're using instruction. He says when you're prophesying and an unbeliever comes in and hears you and hears what you're saying and understands what you're saying, guess what could happen? Paul says they could fall under the spirit of conviction. They could be convicted. Their heart can be laid bare before God. That's what he says. And he says there's an opportunity for them to do what? To worship God. To turn from their sin and to worship God. It, this, this is good. This is good stuff. And, and so they have the opportunity through prophecy, right, to turn to God in worship. But Paul says they're not going to have that opportunity if you speak in a tongue and don't interpret it. In public worship, it has to come with interpretation or it will not edify the body. Paul is very clear with this. And Paul says, I'm one who speaks in tongues. Right? So, so he's not saying don't do it. He's saying consider the context. And then he comes to this passage in verse 26, and he says this, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Look at what he says. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, at the most three, should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. Verse 28, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. In other words, do that privately. And then in verse 29, he doesn't leave prophecy out. He says two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God, I love this passage, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace as in all the congregations 
of the Lord's people. So, so again, what is Paul stressing? He's stressing order in public worship. When you come together as a church body, you must worship in order, right? It, God is not the God of disorder. He is the God of peace. Paul is very clear about that. So if God is not the God of disorder, should his people be a people of disorder? No. There should be order in the way we worship together. Public worship. There should be order, not chaos. Matter of fact, I wrote that down. The opposite of order is chaos, right? For me, as a young boy in that setting, that, that I had no idea what was going on, all I saw was chaos, mass chaos, and it scared me. It didn't drive me toward God, I can tell you. I was fearful. Like, I was scared. I wanted to go home immediately. Matter of fact, I did. I didn't, I didn't even go get my bag from my friend's house. I waited and got it later. Uh, so, order is important. God is not the God of disorder. He's not the God of chaos. He is the God of peace. And Paul says the church should embrace this and display this at all times, especially when it comes to public worship. Now we come to this very fun passage. And I'm going to turn this over to the chairman of my deacons. Uh, All right. So let's look at it. Let's look at it. I'm going to tell you something. If God gives you a word, it's a good word. Okay? If God gives you a word, it's a good word. And I believe all of God's word is good. Okay? So let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 34 through 40. Verse 34. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you? And he's talking to the he's talking to the Corinthians. He's talking to the church. Uh, did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they themselves will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Notice that, right? Eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So let's, let's break this passage down. First and foremost, right? Who was he talking to in this passage of Scripture? He was talking to the Corinthian church. He had the Corinthian church's challenges in mind. He had the culture that this church was planted in in mind when he spoke these words. So this passage is actually a continuance of the order, right? He said, when we worship, we must worship with order, not chaos. We must worship with order, uh, peace in public worship. So we have to remember the context of this letter. Paul is already told, don't forget this, Paul has already told the women of the church that they could pray. He told them they could prophesy. He's already said that. We've already looked at that passage of Scripture, that it was okay for the women to pray. It was okay for the women to prophesy, but it was done so in submission to God's design. 
right? And I'm not, I don't have time to re-preach that message. But when God created, he created the man. He created the man. And then he took a rib from the man and created the woman. He brought them together, right? We've already studied this. He brought them together as a husband and a wife. The two became one flesh, right? And we, we know what, what Paul has already said in 1 Corinthians, this letter, right? He said, husbands, you have this role. You have these responsibilities. Wives, you have this role. You have these responsibilities. Here's the thing, right? God said it. God said it. God created it. Whether I like it and whether you like it, let's just be honest. Who cares? Because it don't matter. Whether you like it or whether I like it, this is how God did it. And I'm going to tell you something. The way God created it, it's right. And it's best. It's right and it's best because when God creates, he creates right. And he creates best. And so Paul is dealing with this issue of order, right? He's dealing with this issue of order. So let me tell you what was happening based on, based on study and, and, and the re- looking at the full context. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. What was happening was there were women in this day. And the Corinthian culture, this was a problem. They were basically confronting men in public. Men who were not their husbands. And what Paul says, when you look at the Scriptures, that's a disgrace. That's a disgrace to the husband of the wife, and it's a disgrace to God because of the order that he created us in. And so Paul, he's already told the women, hey, you can pray, you can prophesy, but you do so in submission to God's design and to God's spiritual authority, the spiritual authority that he has given the husband of the home. So this was... This was going on in the Corinthian culture. I wanted you to have this because it's very important. Dr. David Jeremiah and his commentary, and his commentaries are, are some of the best commentaries uh, out there when it, when it comes to, to Scripture. Now that, that's my opinion. Um, but I love Dr. David Jeremiah. And I want you to hear what he says. And I, wrote, I put this on your handout. He said, The command for women to remain silent reflects Corinthian culture in which women were not allowed to confront men in public. So what was happening was this was going on outside the church walls. And since it was going on outside the church walls, guess what some of these ladies did? They brought it into the church house. And Paul says, hey, look, just because that's going on out there don't mean it needs to go on in here. Because that does not honor God and it does not honor the husband of the wife. So in context, uh, especially with chapter 11 in mind, so if you want to go back and look at chapter 11, that's a good one. Uh, it appears that, that there were some women in the church who were dishonoring their husbands by speaking out, right? Without, without, no, without their husbands knowing. They were speaking out. And, and some would even say there were probably some in there who didn't have husbands, and they were speaking out too. And so Paul basically said, you're dishonoring your husband, and more than anything, you're dishonoring God because this is not the order and this is not the design that God had in mind for the home or for the church. And so Paul stresses, what does he say? How can this be corrected, right? How can this challenge be corrected? Paul stresses that a woman should inquire to her husband about prophecy in the privacy of their home. 
there was no need to cause disorder or disruption and to distract everyone who came together to worship, right? Paul says this is not the place for that. This is not the time for that. We are here to worship God together, and it should be done orderly without disruption and without distraction. And Paul basically says, hey, the word of God is the final authority. It's the, Paul says, you know that what I'm handing down to you is the word of God. It's not my word, it's God's word. Matter of fact, Paul said in another letter, uh, if you're offended, it's not me who offends, it's the word. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. Paul says, look, don't get mad at me. Get mad at God because he said it. And so Paul says the word of God is the final authority. He makes sure that the Corinthians know I'm speaking in truth. I'm speaking the word of God. And why does he say that? Because he does not want them to be swayed by the culture in which they live. And that's what's happening. The culture, right? The culture is, is creeping in and, and saying it's okay to be, be a Jesus follower, but... Uh, it's okay to, to worship God, but, and Paul's saying, listen, don't let culture, right? Don't even let your upbringing, because many of these that were in this church, right, they were brought up uh, in this culture. And Paul's saying, don't let that, right? Don't let that sway you. When it comes to the Word of God, the Word of God is your final authority. And what you do is based on what the Word of God says, not what your culture says. The way you worship is based on how God says to worship, not what the culture says. And that's what was taking place. Paul, he, he, he finishes this chapter with a, a very bold statement, and it's a statement that we need to embrace. He says, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way to God. In a fitting and orderly way to God. It all comes down to this. Is what I'm about to say building the church up and glorifying God or not? And here's the thing. If it don't build the church up and it don't glorify God, keep your mouth shut. And that, that means me too. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking about me, right? If it doesn't build the church up and it doesn't glorify God, shut up. I love Paul, right? Because there ain't no doubt he loved the church, but he loved them enough to tell them the truth and he loved them enough to discipline them, right? And, and that, that's what we need today. That's what we need today, right? Everything, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way to God. And so I, I broke it down and, and I wrote this down for me, um, but I'm giving it to you as well. If we are truly, if we are truly walking with the Spirit, and if we are truly walking in love, then we will exercise our gifts. We will exercise the gifts God's given us in worship to God and in service to others. In other words, whatever God has given me, it wasn't for me. Think about that for a second. Whatever gift you have of the Spirit or gifts you have of the Spirit, it wasn't for you. You're not a bottle with a cap on it, right? You're, you're, you're not this. this. This is not you, and the gifts are in there, and you put a cap on it, and you got it. What good is this water sitting in that bottle to me? What, what good is it? It's, it's no good. Let me tell you when it's good. When it's good is when that top is off of it, and it's poured out. I needed that badly. My throat's getting dry. 
Listen to me, when it comes to spiritual gifts, it's, it's not about you. It's not even for you. It's for the body. Right? It's for the body, and it's to glorify God. It's to worship God. And, and I think if we have that mindset, God, you gave me this gift to worship with. And you gave me this gift to serve with. I, I wonder how many people today, I, look at this room, right? Filled up. I wonder how many of us in this room, I wonder how many of us in this room, our gifts are in this bottle, capped up. Maybe it's because we're scared to use it. Maybe it's because we don't know how to use it. I, I don't know, right? But I do know this. If God gives you a gift, it's not to be contained. It's not to be contained. It's to be poured out. It's to be poured out in worship to God and service to others. That, that's what the Scriptures say, right? And that's, Paul is very clear. Any spiritual gift you have, it is to edify the church. It is to build the church up. Why? Because the church is a visible demonstration to the world of who God is, what He has done, what He is doing, and oh, praise God, what He's going to do. Right? It's a visible demonstration to the world of who God is, what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. How can we do that if we contain our spiritual gifts, if we don't use them? Right? That's, that's something we have to ask, right? God, th- these gifts you've given me, am I worshiping you with them? Right? Am I serving others with these gifts you've given me? And, and here's the thing. You know, and we're going to talk more about this. We're, going to, we're actually going to be doing a spiritual gift inventory soon. And we're going to talk about, okay, um, I really don't know what my gifts are. Okay, let's help. Let's help you dig into God's Word. Let's pray, and let's find out. Let's find out. And then when you know what your gifts are, we, we want you to know what the Bible says to do with that gift and how, right, how to do with that gift in, in a way that is fitting and orderly so that the entire body may be edified. A lot of it, a lot of it is the church's fault because we talk about it, right? We, we talk about it on the surface, but we don't dig deep and get a good understanding of what the gift of prophecy is or what the, the gift of healing is or what the gift of, of teaching is. You know, we just, we just don't dig deep and say, okay, here's what this gift is. Here's how we can use it, and, and, and here's, here's how it, it's used in worship. Here's how it's used in service. And so that's, we want to be, we want to do that. We want to do that as a church body, as leadership. And so uh, I hope this helps, okay? I hope I didn't just butcher chapter 14 for you. Uh, I know I went fast. It's a long chapter. It's a lot in it. I encourage you to dig in and kind of, you know, pray and, and dig in and look at it piece by piece. But, but ultimately it comes down to look at the context. It was about coming together in public worship. How can I use this gift? are these gifts to build up the church. That, that's what the chapter is really about. So don't, don't take something out of context and try to force it into this or force it into that. Keep it in context. Uh, and, and, and with this theme in mind, how can I use my spiritual gifts that God has given me to build up the church and worship Him? How, how can I do that? Pray, God, help me. Help me use this gift you've given me, these gifts you've given me to worship you first and foremost, but also to pour out on my church body so that she can be strengthened, encouraged, 
and comforted. Okay?